Terrence Lester is the founder of a nonprofit called Love Beyond Walls, and he has helped hundreds of homeless people rebuild their lives. He is the author of When We Stand, and you'll meet Terrence Lester today here on Babby's House. Stay tuned. Babby's House is coming your way right now. I'm the host of the show, Babby Mason, and thank you so very much for joining me today. I'm really pleased to introduce you to a young man who is an activist, and he is activating our conscience, and he is rallying people together to serve those who are on the fringes of our community, those that are hungry and homeless. And he has an amazing story, and he is the founder of Love Beyond Walls and the author of a brand new book called When We Stand. His name is Terrence Lester, and you'll meet him in just a little bit. But I want to kick off today's show with a song that I think kind of uh, will undergird our conversation. It's a song called Love Like That. What would it mean to that single mom to get some money in the mail? Or pay a visit to Mr. Jones whose health has begun to fail? Just to shine a little light Tell them it will be all right And what about that only child Who's never had enough Got a kind and encouraging word For that girl who's given up Oh, what a difference it would make
Welcome back to the show. I'm excited to introduce you to a young man with a great big vision. And he is the founder of the nonprofit called Love Beyond Walls. And it's an organization that helps those who are struggling on the streets, those who are hungry, those who are homeless, those who need food and clothes and, and who need Jesus. And basically what Terrence is doing, Terrence Lester is doing, he is doing the work of Jesus. And he is the author of a brand new book called When We Stand. And he believes that we can do much more together than we can do apart. I want you to help me to welcome to Babby's house, Terrence Lester. My friend, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, I'm happy to have you on the show. I was just doing some research and went to your website and saw your beautiful family and read about some of the work that you're doing and it truly is an amazing vision. So tell me how Love Beyond Walls got started. Yeah, so uh, Love Beyond Walls actually started in 2013 of December. Um, one day I go home and I'm asking my wife around dinner if I could uh, make myself homeless. And uh, my young kids, they were younger, much younger at the time. And my wife looked at me and they were like, what, what are you talking about? And they didn't understand that I had been like really digging deep into relationships with individuals experiencing homelessness in the heart of the city and around the country. And I had one friend named Kurt literally challenge me uh, because we were standing behind a building one day there's a bunch of trash on the ground and I was trying to offer my uh, resources to actually get Kurt into a, uh, a shelter and he says man everything I own and possess 
is in this bag. Mm. I'll probably uh, have to stay up all night just to protect it. My identification card is in here. My social security card is in here. And he says, um, and, and sometimes you're treated poorly uh, by people who are working in the shelter. He says it's more comfortable behind this building than it is in the shelter. And then he says, why don't you make yourself homeless? Uh, around that time, I was pondering the scripture, uh, Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And it was just this beautiful picture of how Jesus came to earth, took off his shoes uh, to empathize and sympathize with our earthly sufferings. And uh, I wanted to follow Jesus in that way. I wanted to take off my shoes of privilege, of comfort, uh, and walk in the shoes of those that I was uh, given my life to serve. And uh, long story short, my, my wife and my kids were dropping me off underneath the bridge in the cold of winter, uh, days before Christmas. Everybody's like, why, why are you doing this before Christmas? You're crazy. You should, you know, uh, be spending time with your family. But they didn't understand that I was trying to model to my kids that it's more important to, to be a gift and to receive one. Um, which is the actual message of Advent season within itself. And so Love Beyond Walls actually started on my cell phone underneath the bridge uh, with my family allowing me to live on the streets for a little over a month. So what did you, what, what did you find when you, how long were you out on the streets? I lived on the streets for a little over a month, uh, eating out of trash cans. I remember the first night, um, when the community actually embraced me, I allowed them to know what I was doing. Um, and I didn't take anything, no toothbrush, no change of clothes. The only thing I had was my cell phone for safety. So you shared with them that you were yes. actually just gonna live on the streets yes. for a while just to understand their plight. Yes. Um, and they rallied around me. Uh, they all, you know, found me a tent to sleep in, uh, you know, gave me blankets. Um, you know, this particular day it was freezing cold and there was a wind chill and uh, the temperature was supposed to drop underneath 10 degrees. Mm. I remember it was like two o'clock in the morning and we were standing around this, uh, this fire pit. There, were no, there was no firewood. Um, they were actually throwing donated clothing items into this pit to keep warm in the middle of winter because there's no thermostat. And my toes had gotten wet, my shoes had gotten wet, my socks had gotten wet. And I go over to my friend Tony and I say, man, how do you survive and make it um, underneath this bridge? My, my, my feet feel like popsicles. And he goes into his tent. He was a, a man of many words. And he comes back and he gives me his last pair of donated socks. Mm. And I have this realization that sometimes, you know, people who have less are more willing to be generous than even sometimes people who have access to, to, to access to resources and, and privilege. And, you know, standing on the street corners, being put out of shelters, you know, begging for dollars. I, I remember we got uh, 427 no's and only uh, 11 people gave us a dollar and we were trying to get medication from one of my friends who had a terminal illness living underneath this bridge. And his life literally, uh, uh, you know, would have been ended had we not gotten the actual resources for him to have access to this medication. I want you to help us to understand a little bit more about the plight of those who are homeless and living on the streets. I read um, in, uh, I think at your website, that oftentimes the homeless people feel invisible yeah. because people just don't recognize them. They look past them. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, the invisibility of 
you know, the issue of homelessness is real. Uh, you know, many people feel unseen, overlooked. Uh, I have a friend, Tyrus, he talks about the other side of fear. Uh, we all know that fear can be positive and negative. I mean, fear keeps us from, you know, uh, danger. Uh, it alerts us, our, our awareness to things that could potentially harm us. But then, um, you know, when people fear those without an address, it does damage to their self-esteem. Like my friend Tyrus, he would say, you know, I'm a brother, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm an uncle, I'm somebody. Uh, when you fear me, it does, you know, damage to my, my self-esteem. Mm. And I think uh, the messaging behind that is that homelessness itself is not monolithic. Um, sometimes we relegate homelessness to just a couple guys that we see standing on a street corner. And people miss this reality that homelessness itself is a global issue. It's over 150 million people in the world, in the entire world, uh, without an address. And when we uh, behave or treat people um, uh, in a dehumanizing way, it adds to their invisibility. And, you know, Jesus himself uh, is, some, is the person that I follow. Uh, but Jesus himself said, uh, you know, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He was talking about himself being acutely homeless uh, in his earthly ministry. Um, and he says, as a matter of fact, people won't even follow me when you really have to see what I have to walk through. Right. And I just, you know, when I look at uh, Jesus's words, when he says, you know, but did you clothe me? Did you did you feed me? Did you visit me? Uh, I want to show up with the same type of compassion towards those who uh, Jesus can relate to. So after being on the streets for a month or how many days were you out there on the streets? Yeah, a month and a half. So after being out there for a month and a half, how did how did that impact you and what did you do after that? Yeah, um, it impacted me in so many ways. I mean, I remember when I first got back home, um, everything seems just seemed like huge to me, you know, to be able to walk over to the sink, turn on water was huge. To be able to walk over to my refrigerator was huge. The choice to uh, control the temperature in the house was huge. And, and what I'm saying by huge is, is like, there was this deep sense of gratitude um, for the things that God had blessed me with, but it also was this, this deep sense of sorrow, uh, thinking about, uh, people who have to endure the coldness of winter or the extreme heat uh, during the summer, uh, deal with dehydration, um, deal with being put out of public spaces for asking for access to water. Um, here recently, our organization, Love Beyond Walls, just launched a campaign called Love Sinks In, uh, providing hand washing stations uh, to give people experiencing homelessness access to be able to wash their hands. And we started here in in the city of Atlanta with about 15 hand washing stations. And now we have uh, sanitation stations in over 60 uh, cities all across the country uh, and in, in two additional countries. But just this deep sense of awareness to the things that the Lord has blessed me with and also this deep sense of, um, I guess, gratitude and uh, love that just filled my heart it's like, how, what can I do to, to do more? Yeah. So how are people responding, you know, to your, to your activism? 
Do you find that people are resistant or are they responsive? How are we doing? Yeah, um, you know, over the past 19 months, we've seen people all around the country, you know, step up and join our, our campaign to let love sink in. I mean, it was so a message behind the message. And, uh, you know, there are times when people are challenging uh, because they view homelessness as something that is only caused by, you know, drugs and alcohol or addiction or a mental health issue when homelessness is much more than uh, just the two things that people know about. Um, there are so many different triggers that causes homelessness. Like right now, I think it's you know very apparent that the leading cause of homelessness is actually job loss. Um, you know, and millions of people right now are being evicted from their homes. We're actually starting to see uh, new cases of homelessness and it's projected uh, by research that homelessness will increase by 45% by the end of uh, 2023. Um, homelessness is not monolithic and it affects uh, children uh, even more than so adults. Children is actually the fastest growing population of uh, people experiencing homelessness in this country, children un under the age of nine. and you know, uh, women and children go day in and day out with very little access to resources. And so regardless of if people view this through a lens uh, based upon second or third hand information, we're still on the front lines and we're uh, fighting for the cause. So talk to me about those that are watching today. You know, how can they how can they help? What's a, what's one of the first steps that people can do to actually help or get involved? Yeah, well, my answer is a little unorthodox. Uh, you know, we, we have well-meaning people uh, that reach out to us all the time. And, you know, on average, we probably see anywhere from six to 7,000 volunteers per year. Uh, here recently, because of uh, the pandemic, those numbers have dropped. Uh, but people ask us all the time, what can I do to get involved? And my quick response or rebuttal is, you know, you have to view service as a lifestyle and not an event. Um, service is something that uh, requires rhythms, right? And not necessarily, you know, the two to three, maybe four times a year. Um, we try to teach people to create the type of margin in their lives where they can actually give of themselves on a more rhythmic basis. So my question to the person who may be sitting there saying, I know God is, you know, calling me to get involved. Uh, my question is, what do you have on your plate uh, that is prohibiting you from being involved? It's not a matter of willingness. We have a lot of willing people. It's a matter of availability. And so many people need to create the type of margin in their lives and uh, make themselves available where they can give the 15 hours a week uh, to donate or volunteer at a charity or nonprofit organization. You know, creating the margin in your life where you can give an hour per week. I, I remember this volunteer we had. She started volunteering. Um, she was just given an hour a week. Uh, she had a knack for research, and uh, we had one community member in our organization that had been out of touch with his family for 30 years. 30 years. Mm. Um, she started uh, volunteering an hour per week for a month uh, to try to help him locate his family. Uh, four hours in a month, uh, she was able to connect uh, 
Ronald back with his family that he had been out of touch with for 30 years. And you think about the power of collaboration and the power of, you know, if you take a thousand people uh, given an hour of each in a rhythmic way, the type of power that you could have when people come together and, and, and use that time uh, in service. Well, that's an amazing uh, concept and an amazing truth. I want people to know where they can get a copy of your book. Yeah, um, you can actually go to lovebeyondwalls.org. Uh, when We Stand is available there. You can go to terrencelester.com or you can look it up on Amazon. It's When We Stand, The Power of Seeking Justice Together. So do you have an opportunity to travel, to speak, to tell others about what you're doing? Yeah, all the time. Um, I'm speaking at universities. Uh, in 2019, we launched the, the first museum in the United States of America that represents homelessness called Dignity Museum. Uh, we lead immersive tours, immersive tours. Um, I'm asked to speak to, you know, other agencies at conferences and, you know, just trying to, to build more empathy in the world because we have an empathy deficit. And I think empathy is an invitation to, you know, um, you know, forsake judgment for understanding. Well, we appreciate you coming this way, Terrence, and I'm, I'm blessed and impressed with your with your spirit of compassion, your spirit to rally people. I was really blessed when I read that you, uh, that you rallied a march from Atlanta. You walked all the way from Atlanta to Memphis? Yes. And, and a march, that's very powerful. Well, thank you again for coming this way. And you have our hearts and our prayers and keep in touch with us. We'd love to have you back and see how things are going. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, you stick around because after this break, Babby's House is going to come back with more. And we're going to and um, we'll have a, a word of encouragement for you when we come back after this break. So stick around. Babby's House will come back with more right after this break. Well, welcome back to the show. I hope and pray that you enjoyed that interview with, with Terrence and uh, with Terrence Lester and just were inspired by his amazing vision. You know, I grew up a Baptist preacher's daughter in a small Midwestern town of Jackson, Michigan, and I used to have this concept, this idea that, you know, missionaries were certain people. They were older, single, celibate white ladies who went off to places like Zambia or Papua New Guinea and, and dedicated their lives to the people there and we never heard from them or saw them again. And I have since learned that you're either a missionary or you are a mission project. And Terrence is a wonderful representation of someone who has the heart and the compassion of Jesus. And I prayed, you know, just a few years ago, um, when I reached a very important landmark in my faith, 50 years of walking with Jesus, and I prayed and I asked God to give me more opportunities where I could share my faith when I wasn't on stage or when I wasn't on TV or in some public forum. And you know, when you pray a prayer like that, Jesus will take you up on it. And he has certainly taken me up on it. He's given me amazing um, opportunities to share my faith. And he's taught me amazing lessons. I remember years ago when I first got started in ministry back in the late 80s, and I was asked to come to uh, an event in another state, and my husband and I were able to get on an airplane for the very first time and fly to another state to sing. And it was in um, 
a, a town that was in the coast of Florida, and the host was very kind and very gracious. They happened to send a limousine to pick us up and took us to a wonderful high-rise hotel in the harbor of this beautiful beautiful city in Florida. And on the way to the hotel in the back of a limousine, you know, my husband and I punched one another and we said, man, we could, we could really live like this. We could love this. And when we drove onto the property of the hotel, I saw a homeless man sleeping in the landscape of the hotel. And just the juxtaposition of this thought, this, this whole scene of a homeless man sleeping in the flowers while there were rooms in a luxury hotel that could accommodate him. And when we got out of the limo, I went over there to where that man had been lying and he was gone. I don't know if they told him to leave or maybe he was an angel unaware. Maybe that was a lesson for me to learn. But I never forgot that day the Lord pricked my heart and even gave me a song called Show Me How to Love to teach me to love like Jesus. And Terrence's vision today is certainly a reminder that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are to love like Jesus. We are to live like Jesus and serve like Jesus. And I'm glad that Terrence Lester has come our way. Well, I want you to uh, reach out to me, if you'll do me this favor, if you'll reach out to me at my official website, at babby.com. There at babby.com, you'll hear, um, uh, that's my website, my official website. I have an internet radio station at the website. You can just click a listen live button. It's a little triangle that twirls around. Click that listen live button and that will launch the internet radio station where you can hear beautiful music and encouraging words 24 hours a day. There on the website, you can avail yourself to wonderful resources like the music that I sing and the books that I've written, Bible studies that I've written for women, all of those resources to encourage you in your faith in the Lord. I hope you'll avail yourself to that today. Well, let me leave you with this word. I love, I love the blessing from Numbers chapter 6, I believe it is, verses 24 through 26. And this is what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine up on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's my prayer for you. Hope I'll see you next time. Until then, the Lord bless you and yours real good.